Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another week of the panel discussion. My name is Matt Johnson, alongside my co-hosts... Greg Knowlton. And... Chris Gullah. Chris Gullah is joining us by phone again this week, all the way out in West Seneca. <laughs> I just picture, like, Arnim Zola, but it's Golo. <laughs> Arnim Golo? <laughs> Arnim Gola. I love it. Well, thank you for thinking I'm that smart. I would say I'm more like Modoc. No, that's a good one, too. <laughs> Goldoc. Goldoc. He's got so many shticks now. <laughs> so many shticks. Cosmic Ghost Gullo. Um Really big week uh, this past week in, in comic book news. Um, we'll get started with that before we really jump into uh, today's topic, which is uh, Aquaman. We're going to be covering that. Um, literally a day after we recorded, so it kind of looks bad if you do if you don't realize that we record every Thursday. Um, this oh, yeah. past Friday is was the release of the Avengers Four trailer, and. Yeah, well, actually, no, it wouldn't be this past Friday. It would be two Fridays ago <laughs> by the time it was. Damn. Um, well, we, we covered ourselves. We did post immediately on Facebook Live. We well, did. you did. I deleted mine because I embarrassed myself. You deleted yours? Yeah. Oh, because of the Shuri thing? Yeah. Oh. I was upset because I got super excited. I'm sorry I broke your, bu- burst your bubble. I was so pumped. I thought I did something cool. Uh, but for the podcast listeners, yeah, I mean, we could, we could talk a little, little bit about it. Just, you know, it took everybody by surprise, I, I would have to say. Um. I mean, we were kind of expecting something uh, any day now, but the fact that it just like popped up randomly. I was just laying on the couch, and I was like, is that, is that Robert Downey Jr. sitting in space? Is this an Avengers 4 trailer? Oh, my God. I had been like settled on it. I was like, okay, this is coming out on Christmas because someone had said, like, well, they're re- releasing um, Infinity War on Netflix on Christmas. So that'd be the perfect day to do it. Right. And I was like, Oh, that, that makes sense. Yeah. So I was just like, I had totally been like, I'm not even going to watch anymore. I'm just going to wait for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> well, Christmas came early. Yes, it did. Gala, what'd you think of it, bud? So, um, I, I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. It didn't give, uh, much, which I actually like, cause sometimes yeah, Marvel can give up everything. Um, <laughs> But it gave you enough. I my favorite part I thought was kind of cool with the like scarecrow looking thing with Thanos's gear. Yes. So you could tell like yeah. he he believes he won and he's not ready for for retribution. He's not. No. I, you know, uh, it was a cool throwback um, to the the comic book too because there was a there was a, a a huge panel in the original Infinity War comic at the very end. He had already right. been defeated essentially, and the gems split up and. Uh, yeah, Thanos was sitting on a, a farm. It, it's literally just like that with a scarecrow of his old attire. They just so. flip-flopped it to him winning instead of being beaten. Exactly. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and I, I love how it was like dark and despair. Like, you know, Iron Man may die and, you know, Hawkeye's gone nuts and he's Ronin. And and then it's just like, hey, Ant-Man's here. <laughs> yeah. That was a really nice touch. I didn't even realize that at first because... I'm stupid and still haven't learned that when you're watching a Marvel trailer, you, you know, after they start showing the the scrawl of the the name and the you know the name of the movie, you know that there's something else after. And then to see Paul Rudd, aka Scott Lang, aka, AKA American Treasure, yes, <laughs> National Treasure, baby, National Treasure, absolutely love Paul Rudd. Uh, to see him at the end, and then like like you could tell in like Captain America's face. 
and Black Widow's face that like there was a little bit of hope yeah. when they seen it. Um, kind of pun intended. But like they're like you know, is this like whoa, he's he's still around? Like this could work to our advantage. Yeah. Um, well he was totally believed dead because they had his face like plastered with all the dead people. Yeah. No, it was. It was uh it was such a nice little turn of events. I'm super pumped for it. I'm interested with touching on Hawkeye, like you said, Hawkeye going nuts, the, the Ronin stuff. Um, in the comic books, Thanos like straight up squishes his family. Yeah. Like squishes them. If I remember right, like he kills them, like just stomps I, on them. I, I the think they yeah. Uh, I think they got to go with the, just the disappearing. Stick. Yeah. Yeah. But but yeah. I'm, yeah. No, in the comics, absolutely. So I'm, I'm thinking violent. they got smoked with the, the snap. Um, so like all, all, was it three of them? All three of them? Uh, it would have been four. Four. Yes, because yeah. she was pregnant, right? Yes. Um, so that'll be interesting. And part of me wonders if that's because... Am I remembering wrong? But I think... Now, I might be mixing this up because I do this with them. Was his wife played by Velma or was it the... Velma. It is Velma. Velma okay. Yep. Never mind. I always mix up, for whatever reason, her and the... She was Fred in the Angel series and currently is the mom on Gifted. Okay. For whatever reason, they don't even look alike. I just mix them up. Amy <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> she's beautiful. She's know, so gorgeous. I don't know why, but I do. <laughs> um. So yeah, that was the big news uh, that week, and then this week, um, this well, technically this past week, it was announced that the Punisher will be uh, debuting on Netflix in January, um, which is really good. I'm really excited to see that. But on the flip side, there was some bad Netflix news, and that was that. Uh, you know all the shows, all the shows that have been canceled by Netflix: Daredevil, uh, Luke Cage, Iron Fist. To this point, probably will be Punisher immediately after their series. And then, yeah, same thing. Jessica, Jessica Jones. Jones um, they cannot appear in any type of media for another t- for two years. That stinks. But to be honest, like Punisher's already been off for a year. I yeah. think. The streaming service, it's gonna, it's it's bittersweet. I think the streaming service is gonna make us forget a little bit, just for a little bit. It just, it just sucks. It's like two years, man. I think two years is gonna go quicker than we think because I think Avengers Four is gonna hit, and fa- the next phase is gonna be nuts. <laughs> and I think we're gonna. Greg, I agree. Yeah, um, and I, I, I think I, it's gonna go quicker than we think. Yeah, yeah, it may. It very well may. Um. It's just like yeah, just yeah. It, looking ahead, two years seems like a very long time, um, especially two in, in comic book years. That is a long time in like comic yeah. Book but luckily, years. luckily, you are right. There is a lot to happen, um, and we are going to get those streaming service shows. You know, the Loki, the Loki one, Scarlet Witch and Vision, yep, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and Rocket and Group. I th- was that confirmed? That I think- was another one that was teased, teased alongside. Okay. Uh, Winter Soldier and Falcon. So they will be back. At least Daredevil should be back. Punisher will be back. But. I kind of hope that's where the new Warriors end up. I know. I think you said it before too, Gallo. But I, I think like that might be the perfect way to launch the new Warriors. Yes, because it's going to be campy. Yes, uh, and and I just I just can't believe that we're sitting 2019. We're two weeks away. And Squirrel Girl hasn't been in live action yet. <laughs> yeah. Money, no, but seriously, for the money they can make off of her. Oh, yeah. I don't know. She is like a, a, a cult classic in a way for comic books. Like, she's literally the unbeatable Squirrel Girl now. 
Yeah, like she's, but like I remember she was played Chris Barton that last Spider Man cartoon that was really huge too. Yeah, like she's a she's been a fixture with kids for the last few years. Right. So I am surprised we haven't seen her. But from what I heard and read, that so what ha- what's happening is is that Marvel or Disney owns part of Hulu. Okay. Yes. So and so we worry about the Punisher, about Daredevil. We worry about shows like that because they are very gritty, nudity, blood, like you know those scenes of Kingpin killing people. Those are things you can't put on TV. No. <laughs> and, and from what I'm hearing is is that those shows, if they are to bring them back, will go to Hulu. But this gives Hulu time to promote them. And to get, you know, a couple years of boom, 2020, look, all these series are coming to Hulu, or at least Daredevil's coming to Hulu, or whatever it may be. Um, And I almost think that Disney knew this was happening, and they gave Hulu a shot with Runaways. Because Runaways was proper, they wanted to do a movie on. Yeah, I like that. And I think, I feel like Runaways was a trial, and Runaways is amazing, and I think Hulu is going to get those grittier adult theme shows. I mean, the Handsmaid's Tale is one of the grittiest shows out there. Yeah. So, so it can be on Hulu. Yeah, that's that's probably the the eventual destiny for it, uh, without a doubt. Uh, I was there, I don't was there anything else? I don't think there was much else. Uh, well, no, the, there was um, a Outworld crossover from DC. Oh, so good. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, just amazing. Uh, you got, you know, you got Flash, Green Arrow, Supergirl, but then you got Superman, you got Black Suit Superman, you got Lois Lane, you got Mercy Man. in a roundabout way. <laughs> yeah, which I- I'm excited. The Batwoman stuff was great. The Gotham stuff was awesome. The Batwoman um, stuff was not long enough. It wasn't, but it made sense. Like, yeah. now you, like... Like was is Batman a legend? And that's, that's why I like Oliver saying I was the original vigilante, and Flash is like, no, you weren't. Yeah. <laughs> and and I liked that they explained why Batman is in that universe, but no one's ever heard of him. Yep. Did you and, uh, see? We- um, I don't know if you're a nut like I am. I paused every time they crossed over a um, a cell in Arkham Asylum and saw all of the names that they dropped. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was like Clayface, uh, uh, the the Riddler. They had Riddler. Guggenheim Penguin. was on there. Yep, Guggenheim was on there. Uh, no, that was cool. And they and if you listen closely, there was a a Joker esque laugh. Yes, in in there too. And like Psycho Pirate was cool. Which I think what's going to happen is is Batwoman when that comes on next year, which I'm pretty sure Charms is going to get canceled. And they'll do a Batwoman Supergirl Sunday night. Yeah. Batwoman will start off with with Psycho Pirate as her first villain. As her first bat. You do you recognize the mask that was floating around in there? Well yeah, that's the Psycho Pirate mask. No. Yeah, the gold mask that's Psycho Pirate. Oh, okay, so they actually it is, but it's another mask too. I mean, I got a Court of Owls theme from it. Yeah, it's definitely like they straight up went. Like, hey, we're gonna mash these two masks together because it, yeah, it's Psycho I mean, Pirate, but it's definitely got a Court of Owls vibe to it. I think they did that on purpose. Possibly, I mean, well, that's the thing—the Batwoman story. Court of Owls basically took over Gotham after Bruce left, so that could yeah. make a lot of sense. Um, I'm really excited know about, about the Infinite Crisis. 
Yeah, I'm excited for I'm excited for Crisis next year because I think we do get Batman. I think that's going to happen, um, and I think we also are going to have the Earth merge where Supergirl's on the same Earth. Yeah, and they I said the so. Legends will be involved next year, um, and well, maybe Black Lightning, but that show may not make it through the year. I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> My favorite part of that crossover. I have to say, is just the Smallville theme playing. That was like that made the whole crossover for me. Um, I I loved I loved the the Green Lantern uh, John Diggle reference. They're probably one of my top two moments. Um, and oh, man, I want him to get a I, ring now. I love the bar. The bar was cool. Cisco being the mo- the the, oh, the yeah. crime boss, and Gary from Legends. At least they had somebody in Legends there. Gary from yeah. Legends being the bartender. I like that. I did as well. All right, so that's pretty much it for news this week. Um, there's a couple other little things too. Um, a rumored Spider-Man trailer that appeared aired in uh, Brazil Comic Con. Yep. Uh, but we won't get into too much detail of that because nothing has been confirmed yet. But um, I mean, let's jump into the theme of the episode, really. Uh, and right, is it next week that comes out? The twenty-first. The twenty-first. So. so yeah. No, well, it'll be this week when it airs. Yeah, it'll be the Friday after, yeah, Friday after this. Okay. No, maybe, maybe someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is Aquaman? Is Aquaman? This is the next big movie. Um, it's been very well hyped up, and people are excited about it. DC's solo movies seem to be doing uh, so. Well, it seemed to be exceptionally well. Um, yeah. You know, Wonder Woman was a hit. Uh, you know, just and we're Justice League and Suicide Squad were not so much, uh, but people are very, very excited for Aquaman. They, they, there's been a lot of preview footage yeah. released, and um, I think personally for me, the biggest thing that's been you know so cool is to see Aquaman in his his classic attire, but modernized. He's got so I'll talk about it a little more when I read, but they they basically took two existing. Um, versions of Aquaman and mashed it into one for this. So I'm interested to see how it goes. Um, my books play pretty well into this storyline. Actually, both books, they're two completely different worlds. Um, both rock the movie storyline, and I did not do that on purpose. So I'm kind of excited. Oh, really? Yeah. I went I went a little old school this week um, with it, but... Um... Yeah, it's I, I'm I'm generally excited for it. Uh, my fiance is probably more excited than I, I am because uh, at this point, what female doesn't love shirtless Jason Momoa? My man for the preview preview. Jason Momoa did a haka for the sorry. The I seen it and snapped the Aquaman trident over his knee. I seen that. I seen it this morning. That was insane. Absolutely insane. Uh, but really cool. Gala, what are your thoughts on it, bud? Um, he well, I, I will say this. Um, he won me over in Justice League. Uh, I've never been the biggest Aquaman fan, full disclosure. Uh, you know, and I think it comes from just him being the corniest member of the Super Friends. I agree. But, but I, you know, I you start to watch like Young Justice made you kind of really like that that Atlantean universe a little bit, and then because he was even never even really a powerful character in the cartoons with uh, the Justice League, not in my opinion. Um, and But then Jason Momoa's portrayal in, in Justice League, I think, won it over for me. I'm like, okay, I'll give this, 
I'll give this movie a shot. I think this movie could be really good. And what I do like is that we're seeing, you know, pr- promotional pictures of him with a mesh of wearing kind of like what he wore in Justice League, but they match the colors of the yellow and green. Right, right. Yeah, that's what's popped me the most. Um, and yes, definitely won me over because um, I've watched, I've been around a long time. I've never read an Aquaman cartoon or excuse me, read an Aquaman comic book. Uh, I've seen him in cartoons and I've heard jokes and stuff made about Aquaman, about how he's pretty much a useless character. Um, but seeing like, see, there's like a whole new intensity to him. So his intense, in in my opinion, I've always felt I was the guy when people were like, Aquaman just talks to fish. Like, no, you're wrong. <laughs> I, I was one of those people. Cause, um, Again, being a DC fan, I had a lot more exposure to Aquaman. He went toe to toe with with Superman a handful of times, like um, just in physical strength. Yeah, yeah, just in physical strength, he actually um, is pretty close to Superman right off the bat, and he had a lot more power outside of the talking to fish. He could control water. Uh, he had the dope trident. He was always kind of a cool character. His armor, like that weird orange and green Scaly, that we always like, yeah. is scale armor. Like yeah. it's it's actually like um, impressive when a character breaks it right in the comic book. So I always had this this, this deeper appreciation for Aquaman. It always kind of bugged me that people were like, "Oh, he's basically a god." Uh, he was actually one of my like top characters. I always thought he was very interesting. Um, I liked him in the Justice League because I felt like uh, uh, was it Justice League? I might be wrong. Injustice. Phil Lamar brought a lot of life to him in Injustice, who also voiced John Stewart in the Justice League. That's where I'm getting confused. Okay. Um, he might have voiced him in other things as well. But I think there was an animated movie a while back that I saw with Aquaman where he was super awesome as well. Um, so I just I'm happy to see him getting his due. He got it in Justice. There was this awesome scene where he like rises from the ocean with a ton of animals, uh, a ton of sea sea creatures, and this happens kind of or that happened in the Superboy book as well. Um, and then in the Flashpoint, you get kind of see him go toe to toe with Wonder Woman, and again Wonder Woman's super strong, and he goes toe to toe with her. So I think he's very underrated, and I'm, I'm happy to see him in a different light. Though um, I prefer clean cut Aquaman. I do. Okay. I would have actually like I could picture a different actor playing him just as well, in my opinion, uh, closer to the certain runs of the comic books. But I, I think Jason Momoa is a great choice. He just again, I've said before, he's got that Thor vibe to me now. Yes, very godly. Yes. Well, without a doubt. Um, so, yeah, we decided. The, oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, you're I was going to say, and this is really the first true live action version of him. And we got the one off in Smallville. I mean, I think that guy came what popped up like once or twice. Heck yeah, Thad Castle. <laughs> but it was it was kind of corny. And then we were supposed to get the series with Justin Hartley. Yep. And they decided to not greenlight the series and actually make him, no pun intended, the Green Arrow. Yep. Which is interesting how that all. And then then because Green Arrow was successful, you know what? We need to make this a TV show, but we're going to. So we wouldn't have an Arrowverse if the Aquaman TV show didn't tank. Yep. Which is great. <laughs> Isn't that crazy to think about? So good. All right, so yeah, we um, yeah, we decided we should definitely had to do a full Aquaman episode in lieu of us doing a Venom one, in lieu of us doing a Daredevil episode. Uh, we did a Teen Titans, like kind of a yeah, quick. split, a like, little quick one. Um, but yeah, we give DC some love. Got to give DC some love. So yeah, we're gonna do a full Aquaman episode here. Um, we finally got our formula perfected. It's not gonna be a long drawn out. 
comic book uh, store, entire story arc review. It's just going to be yeah. two books. Um, that's the way it should be. So um, who wants to start off this week? I'll do it. Perfect. I'm, I'm pumped. Oh, okay. Greg beat me to it. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm pumped this week. Um, so I'm actually, I've actually read uh, we two weeks ago, I think me and Gullo both happened to do Aquaman books, which was kind of cool. Um, and I've read a book from this run, but I'm actually doing Aquaman um, number 10 from July 1995. Uh, and it is a Peter David run. So Peter David, I'll, just real quick, was the first to um, break away from the traditional scale male Aquaman. In the Peter David storyline is where Aquaman grew his hair out, grew out his beard, and lost his hand, which became the Aquaman um, we knew a little later, the Aquaman that started to gain a little more attention from people, and the Aquaman Jason Momoa is most closely based off of. Uh, for, the, for Matt, who can see this, um, the cover is actually the Aquaman Justice League outfit that he's wearing. Okay. So Peter David is the one who started that. I learned all this. I can't take any credit um, from, I will say, Haley's Comics, where I picked up my second book. Awesome place. Really cool guy. George is full of knowledge. Um, he is the one who is talking to me a lot about Peter David and actually um, gave me a lot of that insight I didn't know before. Oh, no kidding. So that was kind of cool because I didn't awesome. know where that came from. Um, so that was kind of cool. So this book... I'll hop right into it. Has a, this is a super weird book. I like it. <laughs> it immediately starts with a seahorse talking to a crab. And that crab, or that seahorse, then goes talks to another fish, who talks to another fish, who continues to talk, and they are talking about how the old one is dying, and they are trying to reach the swimmer. Um, the old one is like this legend, and finally, this clownfish gets to a dolphin and says, since he's one of yours, um, I know you'll know who to tell. And then it cuts over and you see these two humans um, harpoon, harpoon hunting and a shark just bites into this human and swims away with him. And there's blood and that's it. That's all you see of those. Uh, and it cuts over and Aquaman is standing on top of Atlantis, um, kind of just talking about what he sees and that he sees this world. And for the first time he hears people cheering his name and the sound of his own laughter. Um, and then the sun is shining and all of a sudden he starts to, he, he gets hit from behind and the ocean master is standing over top of him. Um, and, but then all of a sudden the ocean master coughs up blood and his head is chopped off and he sees himself, but in the scale male kingly armor, um, standing before him, this is one of my favorite parts. I have to read it. Uh, he sees himself, and he's, he's asking, who are you? And it says, who do you think? And he goes, he leans in close to me if he's going to tell me something of tremendous importance. And then he licks my ear. <laughs> and it's a, a panel of Aquaman licking his own ear. And it cuts over, and he wakes up, and it's the dolphin um, that was coming to look for him. He was dreaming, and the dolphin like entered his dream, basically, and made him like messed it up <laughs> super weird i found it hilarious because it caught me off guard um and it's the dolphin is, has a name his name is queege and he's there to tell him that the old one wants to see him and they call him swimmer okay which i think is interesting um but he said the old one really needs to see you and also he explains that um dreams have a special permit purpose and they're often um could be of things to come and that dolphins see all dreams, which is kind of interesting. Um, then it cuts over to a man and a woman. I believe it's Donna Troy and Kyle Rayner 
watching TV and there's been a shark attack and Kyle starts talking about how, um, you know what, like we get to do all this galactic stuff, but we never get to really save people on earth. So he decides to go out and fight the shark. And I, I think this one panel is really cool where his suit's like slowly materializing over him. Oh yeah. That is pretty um, neat. The Kyle Rayner costume is probably my favorite green lantern costume of all. Uh, I just, I think it's super cool. The mask is awesome. <laughs> I, I love it. Um, and he flies off cuts over again. There's a lot of stuff and it is the current King. Um, is talking about how first he gets rid of the father, but now the son is back and Aquaman. He's talking about Aquaman's son. Um, and basically that he's planning on killing him and pulls out a knife. Oh, and it goes back to the old one. The old one happens to be that shark we saw that was eating that person earlier on. Um, and he's talking to another shark and there's this weird dialogue where he's talking about like, did you summon him? He goes, I don't remember. I'm a shark. I don't have good memory. <laughs> They're going back and forth about this. Um, he goes, I think I summoned him, but I don't remember. I'm fairly sure I did. Uh, and you find out that the shark is trying to help this old one who's dying. And he's actually waiting to eat him. That's like a, a apparently a tradition among these sharks is once the old one dies, the new like leader of the sharks is going to, has to eat him. And so he can go in peace. Oh, kind of weird. Um, and you have this panel of Aquaman and Green Lantern are going down together. Green Lantern talks to the mayor, um, and the mayor's talking about how he wants to kill this shark and he wants everybody to see the body um, so that he can basically, so that they feel safe and that he can get, you kind of get the idea that he has other um, intentions. So Green Lantern decides to go down and take care of the shark. Um, He's swimming in the water and he keeps talking about how he's freaked out by Jaws and that Jaws like he, he's like, thanks Spielberg. I'm one of the most powerful people in the universe and I'm freaked out by a shark. It's like, I don't want to hear that music. And he makes a rear view mirror so he can see behind him <laughs> with the ring. Um, then he sees the shark and he makes this gigantic harpoon gun. As he goes to fire, Aquaman gets in his face uh, and says a little bit out of your element. Are you? And it cuts back over. The King is with, um, Aquaman's son and he's setting up to stab him when all of a sudden there's an earthquake. Aquaman and Green Lantern go back to fighting. Uh, they're just verbally fighting right now. He's basically t- telling um, Aquaman that he'd mauled a human and uh, Aquaman says sharks don't even like humans. They think they taste like chicken. <laughs> and They're going back and forth and finally they get into a fight so um, Green Lantern shoots this like crazy net with like spikes at Aquaman but Aquaman swims past it and and they go back and forth Green Lantern traps him in a clam but then the old one actually bites onto the Green Lantern and starts to swim away with him from him um again it cuts back to the king and the sun um the sun kicks the knife out of the king's hand as a rock falls on him and traps him um cuts back over and well, um, Green Lantern has Aquaman trapped in a clam, <laughs> which is awesome. He tells him to clam up. Yep. <laughs> and then grabs the dialogue instant ten. Oh, I love it. <laughs> and then he grabs the shark with like a giant like uh, prize claw. But Aquaman breaks out of the clam and ha- his harpoon is actually remote controlled and shoots off of his hand and snags the ring off Green Lantern's hand. Um, but he recognizes that Green Lantern's so strong that he's actually still has his powers, even without the ring on his finger. Like the suit hasn't left him yet. 
um, the shark grabs on the Green Lantern and they're kind of arguing back and forth. He's arguing how he's not Hal Jordan, like he's not the real Green Lantern, um, but he's still fighting. And like he says, like, wow, he must have some real willpower. Like he's not showing any fear even without his ring. And as the shark grabs onto um, Green Lantern's hand, Aquaman actually slides the ring back on his finger and says, um, you know, your predecessor and I were never, never really close, but he was very strong. And um, now try to do what he did and have some compassion. Um, after all, look at him when he lost his. And I think it's talking about Hal Jordan becoming Parallax. Right. Um, and it cuts over. And <laughs> the great old one goes, beware, swimmer. Beware the, oh, I forget. And then it dies. <laughs> <laughs> Hal Jordan, or sorry, Kyle Rayner flies back up. Uh, basically tells like, look, you're not going to get what you want. And the mayor's like, Oh, people were going to pay my to come from miles away to see, um, this dead shark. And you cost me that blah, blah, blah. And green lantern is like, Nope, he's being eaten by another shark. You're going to let him be creates a zipper on the mayor's mouth and then flies away. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> um, and then it cuts back one more time to the King and the sun and the sun, um, is standing over the King trapped under this, this rock. And the king's like, well, I'll make you king. Like, do me anything. He goes, uh, actually, I think you already did make me king as he walks away. And that's where it ends. <laughs> this is a weird book. It's very weird. <laughs> I liked it, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll hop right into it. Sure. Art. Excuse you. I think. <laughs> art. This is the that classic 90s art. But I, I just, it also is, it has that classic 90s art feel, but I, it has even a little more to it, a little more detail than I'm used to from these um, mid nineties books. Uh, and I, I just love the design of, of Aquaman and the couple different versions of him they showed and just Atlantis as well. Um, I'm going to give the art a seven, seven. Okay. Action. The fight between Aquaman and green lantern was super cool. Um, I love, obviously I'm a huge green lantern fan. So I love just seeing like the, the constructs on the panel, but also Aquaman was, was pretty tough um, as well as there was the action going on between Aquaman's son and the king. I'm going to give the action a seven as well. Very good. I forgot what was next. I did. Oh, no. Uh, so, story. Story. I did it. Story. I'm actually going to give the story a 10. Um, because there was so much going on, I but I never felt lost. Okay. Um, like, and, and I think it did help that I read issue three not too long ago um and i knew he was kind of exiled but they were able to tie like three different story threads together pretty well without getting super confusing um and it's a cool story it was just cool just kind of tying in the green lantern with this random tradition um and just kind of getting more of a vibe of like what's going on underneath underneath the water like what that world is like um so i liked that I'm going to give, and it tells a Green Lantern story at the same time, and like Kyle Rayner kind of filling Hal Jordan's shoes. Um, so I'm going to, I give the story a 10 already. That's yep. what I did. Um, dialogue. Oh, man, the dialogue was awesome. It was super funny. Like, <laughs> not what I was expecting. Clam, was it clam up? Was clam it clam up? Uh, the, talking about how like people taste like chicken. He says, like, they taste like old lousy birds, and Aquaman says, <laughs> you taste like chicken. <laughs> like, it's super great. Uh, just there's just a lot of really good dialogue and the weird dialogue between the sharks. Um, I'm going to give the dialogue an eight. Okay. Rereadability. I'm going to give the rereadability a nine. I really like, 
I liked both books I read out of this run. Yes, they were both crossovers. It was the Superboy and the Green Lantern one. Uh, but this run is super interesting to me. And now knowing the history of it and what it did for Aquaman, um, I actually want to go and, and fill in the blanks and read the rest of the issues on this. This was a fun little read for me, and I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and, and both my books made me have a lot more appreciation for Aquaman, even more than I did when I had read it previously. Um, so, yeah, I love this book. Very good. Uh, your score reflects that. 41 out of 50 yeah. for uh, that issue of Aquaman. So, very, very good. Um, Chris, you want to uh, continue us on, my friend? Yeah, I'll go second. Uh, just real quick to comment on uh, Greg's book there. Yeah, I wouldn't expect when you kind of like laid it out in the beginning that it would be that quirky and kind of weird. It, you yeah, know? It, it was fun. It was the most um, – so what the best way I can describe it is it gave me that nostalgic like kid reading a comic book feel like Saturday morning cartoon like action but goofy like like the Justice League series. Like it, it was just – it felt the most like – like what you like as a kid, what you imagine a superhero to be like, that's, that's kind of the vibe it gave me. It just, I really liked it. It just made me feel like a kid again, reading that one specifically. So I, I like this run for that reason. I think is the light, but it still has some dark tones to it with like the, the espionage or not espionage, the, the, the sabotage of the King and like chopping off ocean master's head. But I, I it just, it was very, um, again, very youthful in a way. It's almost a transition comic because he's really serious mostly now, and yeah. he was very kind of lighthearted in the seventies and eighties. So it's almost like a transition comic. But he's definitely got that um, that that Jason Momoa vibe. You can see where some of that character pulls from is that 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 Peter David influence for sure. Um, so I'll begin with mine. Uh, I read a very interesting one. This really caught my eye by the cover, because it stood out from all the other Aquamans. This is actually from June of 2006. Ooh. So, about 12 years old. And so, it's, it's Aquaman it's pre-52. Yeah, pre-52, pre-rebirth. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's Aquaman sort of Atlantis. Ooh. And this is Kurt Busick and Butch Geis. <laughs> So I actually had that comic book in my hand and had and put it down. That's funny. No kidding. Yeah, I almost bought really? it. Really? It caught my eye with the dueling. Now, so when I'm going to read this book, it was very pirate feeling, right? And then I started to realize what was huge in 2006. Yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean. So... So I could see why, you know, they went with that. So I'll kind of begin... Um, it actually starts with one of those this is what's going to happen panels where you see a panel of Aquaman in the, and he's fighting the warrior at, at Sil. Um, and you know, he outsole is basically talking a bunch of trash to him saying, you're no Aquaman. You're just, you are just another surface man and this and that. But then you flash to the beginning of the comic, the really the official beginning of the comic book. Where Aquaman is like, it looks like an old, like, Marine Land or type thing. It's really weird. And there's all this, like, narr narration in this old pirate scroll, but you don't know where it's coming from at this point. But you see Aquaman and King Shark. And King Shark is like, he's wearing almost like a tribal, like, like, uh, uh, um, skirt kind of thing, like a grass skirt. Okay. So it's him and then it's Aquaman and they're searching for 
Aquaman's father, apparently, and I believe, you know, his, his human father. But Aquaman's starting to struggle to breathe, and King Shark's like, you have to go in the water. Uh, you know, this is what you need to, to live. So they go into the water, and there you find the dweller. And basically, King Shark, his job was basically to keep Aquaman alive, bring him to the dweller. And the dweller is the one that's narrating it. And to compare the dweller, he's like this this really chiseled guy, but he has like an octopus-like face. Like his hairs are kind of like tentacles and stuff. Kind of much like High for the Marvel Comics. Hmm. Very similar to that. Okay. Um, yeah, very similar to that. But uh, basically, you, you know, Aquaman's premise is, is that he's trying to find his dad. And this is a foreign land to him. He's never really been underwater. Um so, yeah, you know, and basically what happened once he, uh, he I believe he helped save uh, this, some Atlanteans that were actually, like, the, the story's a little weird because it's a one-off, but it's in a Milva series, but they don't really tell you exactly what happened. But he definitely rescued Atlanteans, and he rescued King Shark before. So, and that's why King Shark was helping him bring him to that, uh, to that guy. So, anyways, King Shark swims off, and, and, uh, Uridi uh, of the Mer uh, shows up and he goes, "Hey, we, you know, my queen wants to thank you for saving our people and this and that." So now they go to Atlantis, and this is the first time ever that Aquaman's ever been to Atlantis. So they're in Atlantis. Mira's there, but Atlantis is almost like dystopian looking. It's kind of run down, and they kind of make comment on that that it's been ravaged by barbarians. And, and and ravaged by uh, um, I got I can't remember their name, but it's really who they're waiting for to come. Uh, these like uh, it started with an A. I'm trying to find it there. I know it's popping up here. But anyways, there's some type of a Atlantean race that's basically trying to uh, destroy Atlantis and destroy Mira and and everything that comes with it. So. So, and she kind of goes into this, you know, he goes, you call us a kingdom. This is, you know, basically Aquaman says this is, a gar- this is garbage. And she explains that it was this wonderful land. And then, but then her husband died. So, uh, so the a previous king died and, that, and now she's all alone. And now they're trying to rebuild. Um, you know, she brings up the barbarians that attacked and, and, and that the Tritonius was destroyed. And all they have left, really, uh, is this little bit of shattered land that they have. And so she's, but she's explaining to him that, you know, I know you're looking for your father, uh, and, and, you know, we owe you a debt. We'd like to help you out with that and everything. But then this, this, this jackass, and I'm going to call him a jackass, at Sul, <laughs> who's like the Nancy warrior, he shows up and he just starts, he starts trash talking Aquaman. He's like, this guy doesn't belong here. He's just a surface man. Uh, you know, who are you? Oh, by the way, the, Ara- the Aratai are the uh, people that are trying to uh, burn Atlantis to the ground. Um, but, you know, uh, basically, Atul brings up that King Shark was, was talking to Aquaman, and he goes, that's BS. And Aquaman goes, well, listen, I'll talk for myself. He tries to explain himself and this and that, and Atul challenges him to a duel. Well, Mira's like, you don't have to do this. Atul, shut up. Like, he's a guest here. He helped save our people, this and that. But Aquaman, he's very, like, he's very new to this hero thing. So he's very, like, aggressive. He doesn't have, and, and the narrator explains that he has no technique. He has no thought process. 
it's just all anger coming out of him. You know, and here's a guy that's trying to find his father. So they, they duel, and Atsul is just whooping the crap out of Aquaman. Um, Aquaman starts to actually come back on him, uh, which is which is surprising Atsul. Uh, you know, and, and that's what they say. Arthur had no skill, however, no technique, only aggression. Um, and then he ends up actually getting up on Atsul there. Uh, and then King Shark came out of nowhere and said, hey, Liz, we got to go. Uh, we got places to be. So King Shark showed back up to find Aquaman. And then, you know, because there was blood in the war, King Shark says, besides, all that blood's making me hungry. So, <laughs> so it was a little shorter than I expected. Um, and I kind of, not rushed through it, but I, it is a lot of lengthy text that you can easily, you know, sum up. Basically, the main story is is that it's almost like he has no idea, really, he's Atlantean. He has no idea he has these powers underwater. And he just happened to save these people. So now Mira is is basically telling him he's a chosen one. It's almost like one of those type stories. Like, oh, you've come, you've come back to where you belong type thing. Okay. And, but then, like, a lot of people see him as outsiders, like this Atul guy. And is like, hey, listen, you don't belong here, this and that. And, and, and it's so funny to have an Aquaman story where he's just learning to be Aquaman and his ally is King Shark. Like, yeah, that is an interesting little swerve there. I like that. Which I find, I find that, and it's like a tribal king shark, which is really cool. So, interesting book. I did not know what to expect. Uh, well, I know I expected one thing and got something a little different. Um, as far as we'll start with the artwork. Um, the artwork's really cool. I love it for 2006. It looks almost like a 2007. Actually, no, I would say it's a mid 2000s. But you know the detailed artwork that's in like a Walking Dead type book. Okay, yeah, I got you. I got you. Yeah, it's that. Um, I mean, you could see every little scale on on King Shark, and it's just the the octopus guy, the dweller is really cool. Just a very very good book as far as artwork wise. So artwork, I'm gonna give it a ten. It was really cool. Very good. All right. Um, action. Uh, you you know you kind of start off with the fight that's going to actually happen in, in the later book. And it was a it was pretty good fight. I mean, the whole book wasn't a fight. You were getting to know what was going on with Aquaman and this and that. So I'll, I'll give action, like, because it was a pretty decent fight. I'll give action a seven. Okay. Um, storytelling, I was a little lost, a little confused. Um, but I would probably, I mean, it is kind of cool, this outsider gimmick and this and that. So I'll give that an eight. All right. Um, dialogue. This is where I got like I felt like it was too much dialogue at times. Like the narrator thing is cool, and I know he's trying to lay out a story, but then I got to remember that this it's supposed to be a one-off, but then it's also number forty-one in the Aquaman series. So I'm really confused of what it's it kind of like. That's weird. It probably is like. You know, like a sitcom show where they have like a flashback episode. Um, yeah, that's kind of the vibe I'm getting that, from yeah. it. That's the vibe I'm getting. Um, but you know, with with that being said, uh, I mean, I'll give it a six because, like, like I said, some of the dialogues are lost on I me. Mean, I'm a dummy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, Aquaman and Thor books, man, and Superman books. Sometimes they can be a little worse. You know, a little sciencey, a little, a little too much for that. They are, um, yeah, they're interesting. And then uh, rereadability. 
really cool book. The fact that it is like a one-off. And I got a feel for the, the, I'm glad I picked this book up in the aspect of, I feel like the movie's going to be kind of like this. Okay. I feel like we're going to see him discovering Atlantis a little bit, like, because they make it that he is basically living on earth half the year in justice league. It seems like, so right. I feel like he's going to really discover, like, he's not just gonna be like, Hey, ping. like, I feel like you're going to get some of the backstory of him going, wait, wait, I have, I have this powers. I'm a Lantian and this and that, which I found pretty cool. Um, because I feel like the movie is going to be summarized. I'm glad I picked this up here. So, um, with that being said, rerootability, if you're looking for pieces that may lead you up to the movie, I would give this a nine for as far as, Hey, pick this up. And the movie's probably gonna be a little bit like this. We are rocking and rolling. That is a 40 out of 50 for your total score for that book. Um, what was the name of it and issue number? Um, it's Aquaman sword of Atlantis. And it's issue 41, June of 2006. June 2006, number 41. Okay, it's jotting that down. So I have to message you guys at 6 in the morning. Uh, <laughs> very good. On Monday. Hey, guys, I need your comic issues. Uh, I got to send it in. No, phenomenal. 40 out of 50. Let's uh, let's see if this one lives up to the hype. Um, I love the cover of that one. This one is very intense. This was my... F- might have been my favorite out of the two because this was a very passion side of Aquaman. Um, like this is me getting to see him, not, you know, not the light that everybody likes to put to pitch him in, you know, the, the, the goof who just talks to fish. No, he was incredibly intense here. And um, this was the very first Aquaman book that I have ever read ever. And, uh, you know, this is my first time reading about Black Manta. Uh, I've heard of him, but I've never read him in a comic book, uh, you know, format. So, so this was a fun read. Um, this is from nine, May nineteen ninety two. It's issue number six, and uh, yeah, the cover art is Aquaman choking out Black Manta, um, half underwater. Half, they're in a vessel of Black Mantas, and he's Aquaman's yelling, "Die, Manta, die!" So it starts off where uh where Aquaman he's sitting, he doesn't have his armor, he's kind of just in maybe just some kind of cloth or, or something, or um and uh he's just kind of sitting there just talking to himself, like, you know, why why do you hate me so much, Manta? Why do you have you know, why do you have to take away everything from me? Uh at this time Manta killed his son, and because Aquaman didn't couldn't protect him. Uh, Mara left him um, at this time, um, so he's just—he's just a hot mess. Just very upset. Um, yeah, just just kind of sitting there, acting incredibly depressed. Uh, there's a nearby city, um, the tr- uh, Tritonis or Tritonis. Uh, it's another city to survive the sinking of Atlantis. And Black Manta is, has a, a fleet of ships going to approach it and destroy it. Um, and then Aquaman's going to save it. And while en route to go save it, uh, Black Manta shoots this mind control thing. Uh, it's like a belt with like some screws and stuff in it. And it goes, it he, like hits, aims it pretty perfectly and it hits Aquaman in the head and um, it's slight mind control slight way for Black Manta to, to 
communicate with with Aquaman, get inside of his head, really. Um, yeah, there's some dialogue here, you know, Black Manta, I'm frying your mind from the inside. Do you like it? And now you'll float helplessly while I destroy your Mayberry under the sea, uh, which I did appreciate that reference there. Um, let's see. Uh, there's some little chaos in the city because people are uh, people are panicking. They're you know getting ready to defend their city from Black Manta, and uh, every time Aquaman looks to uh, tries to pull off this mind control, you know, band around his head. Um, Manta increases, you know, what he says, you know, just get in his head and making him a little bit more, I guess, submissive is the word for it. Um, but anyways, after a while, uh, it, Aquaman's, he rips it off and there's a, it's a pretty intense scene. Um, they show the flow of the water of him ripping it off and, you know, blood just flowing everywhere. It's, it's very, uh, it was actually, it's kind of graphic. It's just a little graphic. Um, and it's leaking out of his head for the, pretty much the remainder of the, uh, the book essentially. But, uh, Aquaman, he goes in, he, he goes after black man, he goes into the ship. He, and then we get a little clip of, uh, Black Manta's backstory, which was this was nice for me. Um, I certainly appreciated it because, like I said, I didn't know much of his backstory about you know how he hates the sea and you know this hatred has to die. And he called to the sea for help, but it didn't answer. And and that that's pretty much his beef with um with with At, you know Atlantis with Aquaman. So. Um, yes, Aquaman eventually makes his way into the vessel. He he uh, he calls in a couple whales to to help him out. Um, you know, breaking inside, breaking the vessel, and and getting you know getting to it and whatnot. And uh, Aquaman breaks into the control control room of the ship where Black Manta is, and uh, it's an intense battle. Black Manta shoots a laser at him. Um, a lot of intense dialogue and. It was. It seemed almost cheesy at times because I was like reading it out loud and like uh, just the way this the way Aquaman kept repeating himself um, the same things. You you killed this person. You made Mara leave me and this and that. Like it was very different. But it it was Inigo Montoya, huh? It was like very Inigo Montoya. Yes, I think that's the best you way to describe. Killed my father. It. That's, that's pretty much what it was. And you can tell Aquaman is incredibly distraught here. Um. But he's putting up one hell of a fight. It's interesting. Um, and finally, this is where the, kind of where the cover is. Aquaman's choking out Black Manta. And while he's doing it, um, Black Manta has a blade come out of his helmet and stabs Aquaman right in the chest. And, uh, yeah, he's... Black Manta swims away. Um, he goes to it. He's going towards another vessel, and Aquaman is just sitting there with a giant hole in his chest and um, holes in his head from the mind control vice or device. And uh, he's just—you can tell—he's losing it. He's losing it. He's losing. It's like psychologically, he's just losing his mind. And uh, yeah, he's like, "I'm gonna, you know, now you're mine. Like I, I, I got you. I'm gonna get you now." 
once I find you. So like it, it seems like the Black Manta pushed him over the edge in this book, which is which is like I said, it was really cool um to see this different take on Aquaman. Um and yeah, that pretty much was the, the conclusion of the book. So I will get right into it. Um artwork cover drew me in and early nineties, like I don't know. I I feel like I've seen this art a million times, but in a good way. Um because this is this is my era that I love so much. So I'm going to give the art a nine action. Uh, not a whole lot except for the fight at the end with Black Manta and Aquaman, which ended with the stab wound in the chest. Um, but it was only a couple panels. A couple panels. So I'm going to give the action a seven. Uh, story. <laughs> story. Uh, quite the story. There was a lot to being you know just just jumping in with this um there was a lot to catch up on so to speak um and i felt like they did a good job you know filling me in with everything that i needed to know so i did appreciate that i'm going to give the story a 9 uh dialogue Dialogue. Dialogue helped push the story. Uh, that's one of my biggest things for the dialogue, and it's actually relatively easy to follow, unlike uh, you know, unlike a Thor book or, or some other you know books. Not like crazy you know crazy words and and language and verbiage, and it was actually very easy to follow. So I'm going to give the dialogue a nine as well. Uh, let's see what we're at. Right. And uh, rereadability, would I pick this book up again? Absolutely. Um, yeah, it was a very fun time. Very fun read. And for my first Aquaman book, to see a a darker side of the character, uh, I did appreciate it very much. Very much. Uh, I'm going to give that a 9 as well. So, 9, 16, 23, 32, 40. One forty-one. So everybody over forty, um, so far. Everybody over forty so far. Forty-one out of fifty for Aquaman number six, May nineteen ninety-two. Um, all right, on to our second book, Greg. Yeah. So this book uh, actually wasn't what I was looking for. I was same. I was looking for the new fifty-two. I was looking for issue number one of this. Um, but. Regardless, it's Jeff Johns who is my favorite DC writer because he wrote the uh, the Green Lantern Blackest Night storyline, which is one of the coolest storylines in my opinion. Um, part of the reason I love Green Lantern later. But the cover was super cool. It drew me in, so I'm going to hop into this. This is issue 15 from the new 52, uh, 2011, uh, Throne of Atlantis. This is actually a part two. I didn't realize it. Um, I didn't see part one there anyway. But it starts off. The first panel is Gotham City drowning. It is filled with water. And you actually see Harvey Bullock and um, Commissioner Gordon falling deeper into the water, drowning with just the bat signal being like the only light showing on them, which is kind of cool. And then Aquaman bursts out of the water, holding on to both of them. Um, They ask what happened. And... um, Aquaman and Batman are actually there together and he explains that everyone's safe and that the water just came out of nowhere um, and that and Gordon says we were actually activating the signal because Scarecrow's thugs kidnapped the witness but then this happened um, 
and he asks who who was saved and Batman says as many as you could and you see just a rooftop like full of people um but there are tons of people on the ground drowning like in cars that they couldn't save that are dead um Harvey says that I thought Atlantis was just a was just a gimmick. Mad Hatter isn't from Wonderland, is he? Um, and Aquaman just kind of gives him a stare, and all of a sudden, there's just a burst of water going up into the air. And they ask when water went up, and Aquaman says, "Since Mira, as Mira is like clearing out Gotham, um, it's a really cool visual. She's just literally like taking the water and funneling it into the sky, and then sending it away from Gotham." Um, but she actually gets a bloody nose and like she, you can tell it's straining her and she falls. Uh, Aquaman saves her and, and explains, she explains that um, she wishes she could save more people and that she's not strong enough. And, and Aquaman says how she, she saved hundreds of lives and they kind of get that back and forth. Um, but she talks about how it's because of your brother that Atlantis is doing this, like without, if it was you that was king, Atlantis would never be doing this, and you you need to bring your brother to justice, um, and you need to warn the Justice League of what the city is doing. Uh, they're following the Atlantean war plans, where first they flood, then they attack from the ground, and then they actually sink a city. Um, so any of the cities are up to be sunk by the Atlanteans. Um, it cuts over to Metropolis, where Superman is standing with an Atlantean. Um, he actually, like x-ray visions into his chest to see that he doesn't have lungs and that's how you identify Atlantean apparently Atlanteans don't have lungs oh um and the this girl oh it's Lois Lane my bad um says that his name is Volko and he wakes up and immediately asks where King Arthur is um and he Superman slams him down this guy gets up and actually punches Superman so hard he flies into a building uh like Clocks. So all the Atlanteans are pretty freaking strong. It's not just Aquaman. Like Atlanteans are just pretty strong. Um, and he says he's he's looking for. Um, ooh, sorry. He's looking for Aquaman, and that he needs to save him. So Atlantis is one step closer. Um, if he were still king, they would never do this. There's this really cool line where Wonder Woman's holding the sword up to his head, and she says, "Take a swing again." And so do I. And I just, it's awesome. <laughs> I just seen the panel really quick. It's a pretty sweet one. Uh, It cuts over to like Aquaman and Batman arguing. um, And Aquaman's kind of talking about how this is the more serious Aquaman where he was, he had turned his back on the people for a little bit when he was living in Atlantis. He no longer cared about earth and only cared about Atlantis and made these war plans with his brother um, and talks about how he was in a different mind frame. And Batman says, I understand. Um, but you you can't justify what they're doing. Um, it talks about there was a missile testing and the missiles landed and actually damaged Atlantis. Um, so this is why the Atlanteans are actually attacking is because of that. That they they're they, they're protective and superstitious and they won't fight back unless they're provoked. But when they when they're provoked, they come back like harder. And he says like they can be reasoned with. Um, they already killed plenty of people. And he goes, I know they're your people. And Aquaman actually says, they're not my people. Um, 
and Batman has this cool line where he just says, Aquaman, weren't you the one that said we should stop keeping secrets from each other? Um, which is cool seeing that. Just there's this, and it goes on for a while. They talk, there's a, like a interesting dynamic between the two of them. And Aquaman talks about how like he felt alone um, and then started to feel like he had a place in Atlantis. But it was actually when the Justice League formed and he took down Darkseid with them that he felt like he was truly belong somewhere. Um, so it's kind of cool, this different side of Aquaman. And especially, it's weird that it's Batman that like it's kind of he's confiding in. Um, I never really caught them as friends. You know, he's they're allies, but there's definitely more of a friendship there. Um, their ship gets blown out of the sky by some Atlanteans, and they're in the water. Um, it cuts over to them talking about how they're trying to contact flash, but flash is actually on a different planet fighting some primal attack. So you get the sense that he's or not on a different planet, but on the planet fighting Grodd most likely is what my guess is. Um, it just kind of goes back and forth and Aquaman shows up at the watchtower and sees Volko. I apologize. I'm bleeding from my face. <laughs> uh, bloody nose. Cause it's cold season. Oh, um, he actually explains Volko's the first. There's a lot of story in this. I apologize. Volko's the first Atlantean he had ever met, and he'd actually been very nice to him. Um, he was his mother's royal advisor, um, and then became Aquaman. And he's basically like the the only family he has um, from Atlantis. Um, and they explain kind of that something like someone else started this. We don't know who really started this war, and it cuts over. To this is the issue I really wanted to read was from the first issue. They get they kind of explain the trench, which were these Atlanteans that um, separated and became subterranean, actually started twisting into like these crazy like anglerfish look at things, and they're yelling, "We're free!" So this story is going to play more into them, but that's all you really get from them in this issue. Um, the Justice League allows Aquaman to um, just. One Batman gives him one chance. This is interesting. Superman and Wonder Woman and Cyborg are all saying like, hey, your brother's a murderer. Like, we just have to bring him to justice and that's it. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We just have to bring him to justice and that's it. That's that's all that matters. And Batman's the one who actually says like, you know what, Aquaman, you actually one chance to, to save your brother. Like, one chance and that's it. Um. And then it cuts over, and there he is, Orm, a.k.a. Ocean Master, asking where your king is to these two fishermen, um, looking for just looking for, for Aquaman, thinking he's the king of the, the surface. Um, and Aquaman shows up, and they kind of square off for a second. Um, they're just arguing back and forth, and he says like how he's not the king of the surface. Um, and Orm doesn't understand. Why he doesn't want to be there if he's not the king. Um, and they get into a, like a little bit of a battle for a second, complaining, like talking about how this was a mistake. Um, you just need to send the Atlanteans home so we can talk. And Orm says, no, I think we're just going to keep sinking these cities. I think, uh, I think Boston will be our next target. <laughs> Super random. Um, and then all of a sudden the big three show up and they said, we've been listening. That's it. Like, there's no more of this. And Orm says, are these your three rulers? And Aquaman just starts arguing um, with the big three. And they say like, no, your brother's coming with us. I love this panel. Aquaman says, no, I'm sorry, but you forced my hand. And he actually like grabs Batman by the throat and has the, the trident pulled back. Um, 
as Superman and Wonder Woman look on like super confused and worried about what's happening. And that is where the panel ends. And it says to be continued in justice league number 16. Fun book. I'm a, like I said, I'm a big Jeff Johns fan. This was a, a big setup. Uh, obviously like it started, this is a transit or a, a third. I think, I think throne of Atlantis is three parts. Um, a lot of fun though. Uh, definitely a lot of story. Johns is great about uh, creating. I'll talk about this a little bit. So um, I'll jump into the art first. The art it is that uh, typical like mid beginning 2011. Um, I'm actually going to give the art a six. It's great, but it's easy. It is something we see a lot. Um, it is that that common 2000s art. It is is very beautiful, but it's not super detailed. Um, it is in, in a way, it just feels very generated. Like, you know, you can tell there's a lot of computers that were used to make this. And, and I'm not as crazy about it now that I've seen a lot of the, the older, more hand-drawn stuff. Um, but it's still good. Action. There's not a ton of action. Gull, are you good over there? Gull is dying. Just coughing. Okay. Sorry. No, you're good. There's not a ton of. I thought it was finally enough on the phone. <laughs> There's not a ton of true like fist fight action, but um, the urgency. I've always said urgency is action to me. I'm like the 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 drowning of Gotham and the drowning of Metropolis and uh, just like the ship getting s- shot out of the sky and just the back and forth. More of that that verbal action in a way, not necessarily dialogue, but the arguments and everything. Um, to me, made it exciting. I'm actually going to give it an eight. Okay, uh, I like that a lot. Story. So this is where Jeff Johns is great at making, setting up relationships between characters and diving deep into different characters and helping you understand their motivations, um, get to know them about them a little bit, and really making them more than just a character on a page. I'm going to give the story a ten. I love what he does with stories. Um, I just think it's it's super interesting, and I I love the little teases with the trench throughout this. That's um, why I really wanted to read that book in the first place. Is I think the trench is a super cool um, Aquaman villain. Um, I, dialogue. The dialogue is great as well. The the back and forth between Batman and Aquaman is just really well done. Um, I feel like it would translate very well onto a big screen, and it, it's just. Again, the dialogue really drives the story. There's a lot of it, but it's never feels pointless. It never feels overwhelming. It just it you kind of get lost in the dialogue. So I'm going to give the dialogue a nine. Okay. Um, again, a, a big thing of Jeff Johns' dialogue is very, very well done. Where very well thought out. Rereadability. Um, I'm planning on picking up the volumes for the new Fifty Two run, which this is what this is. I I really like. A lot of what came out of the New 52, I'm very interested to see where this story goes. Um, one, with the battle with Orm. Um, two, with the Justice League and Aquaman and what kind of comes out of that. And again, the trench. I, I love the trench. I love the idea of the trench. Um, that actually, New 52 was, the Aquaman run of New 52 was made popular because of the trench. It's so hard to find that first issue because people found them so compelling and just really felt like it was one of like the coolest villains for him outside of ocean master and black manta something very different um so yeah i gave that a number right no nine for rereadability nine for rereadability okay um so we are sitting at 42 out of 50 
Um, I think that's how math works. Yep, 42 out of 50, Greg. So uh, I guess I like Aquaman a lot. I would say so. Um, so, yeah, that's two. Nobody's been under 40, 40 yet, so very good. Uh, Chris, take away with your second book. All right, so my second book was something uh, fairly newer. Um, actually, August 2018. Oh, wow. And there must be multiple Aquaman runs going on right now, and Greg, you can probably help me out more with this, because like I read Drowned Earth, which is part of an Aquaman Justice League run, which seems much more dark and much and drawn a lot differently than this one. This is an Aquaman run where he's kind of it, it's very bright, very colorful, uh, you know, and he looks kind of traditional with the costume, like long blonde hair. And, and and the blonde beard and everything. So there must be, like, two Aquaman runs kind of going on at the same time. One very kind of light and bright, and the other one kind of being dark. Well, DC embraces that multiverse thing. So if they have a story they want to write, they don't wait for it to fit in the current run. They just kind of go, hey, we're going to tell this story. Um, Heroes in Crisis is a great example of that. It doesn't fit anywhere. It's just a story they wanted to tell. Um, they, they do that all the time. There's a, you can go back, like they always do these, especially with justice league specifically, because there's so many stories you can tell. Um, they'll just randomly do like a, a just a, a storyline. It doesn't really affect the main continuity. It may be mentioned later, but it doesn't really fall in line with any of the current runs that are going on. It's just a story they wanted to tell. So they tell it. Um, and that, that's what drowned earth is. Drowned earth really doesn't, it's not directly involved with any of the stories that are going on. It's just a story they wanted to tell. Um, while this is what I'm assuming you're reading is a direct Aquaman run and, uh, drowned earth. I'm sure they also did again, the Peter David inspired look just to get people excited about the movie. Yeah. Well, this is, uh, well, this is, um, number 39, uh, in the DC universe, it says, and it's Aquaman Sink Atlantis Part Two. Part One was actually in Justice League number forty-five, or not Justice League. I'm sorry, Suicide Squad number forty-five. So, uh, so it, this might Aquaman. even be setting up Drowned Earth. Yeah, it, well, this is, but but the artwork's completely different. It looks yeah, that's, like it, that's normal. <laughs> it's very. This is more cartoonish. I mean, they're all cartoon, but you know what I mean. This is more cartoonish. Yeah, DC again is very it's very different from Marvel. Um, it kind of just does whatever. Like it, it, its continuity is handled very differently because of the multiverse and how much it's embraced. I I could say that. So yeah. So this is part two with part one actually is Suicide Squad number forty five. So this is the first part of this in an Aquaman book, um, but it is an Aquaman Suicide Squad basically crossover, and it starts off with uh, Queen Mira is she's on the throne and you know it's she was just coordinated as the queen and they're kind of talking about how uh aquaman wasn't there then you have the uh the intro panel uh with the writers and everything and this was dan abnett uh and rob williams but you see the intro panel and you see a bunch of uh b-52 jets flying over atlantis because atlantis is risen now um you know you know, on the world, on Earth. So, so now you you go to a panel there. So basically, we're, they're being and Queen Amira is even saying she goes. You know, they said Queen should be doing something. She says hold off for right now. But basically, uh, America, the United States, is looking to do military action on Atlantis. 
which is very interesting because they're they're intimidated and they're frightened that this just magical land just risen and now it's sitting in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> um, so, so uh, you then you go to a panel uh, in the security watchtower. You got a uh, Merc there, and Aquaman shows up, and Aquaman and Merc are talking, and and Aquaman says, "You can't tell Mira I'm here." And this and that, um, you know, uh, I'm going to try to put a stop to the United States doing something, but I don't want Mira to look like she's forcing military action on, you know, against them. Look, she has to do anything to do with it because it'll make her look terrible in the public eye and this and that. So then you see a pod land uh, under Atlantis in the water, and it's the Suicide Squad. And this is a pretty cool crew of Suicide Squad. A little interesting. You got Killer Croc. Um, you got Deadshot, and you got Harley Quinn, you know, standard Suicide Squad members, right? Typical, yeah. But then Lord Satanus is okay. one of the members. Uh, Master Jailer is one of the members. And then Ursul, which she's an Atlantean defector, um, she's also uh, one of the members of the Suicide Squad. And what's interesting is they're... Uh, other than obviously uh, Ursel and Killer Croc, the other four are in these like space, like um, wa- underwater, like astronaut-looking suits, which I found really cool. So uh, there's some dialogue. They're all they're basically there to uh, put a nuke under Atlantis and blow it up, and they're all kind of questioning it. Deadshot's questioning it. Uh, you know, but Killer Croc's for it, Lord Satanus is for it, Harley Quinn's just like a bomb, usually that's my type of thing, but I think this is a little overdone, and Ursel is speaking out again, and she's like, wait, you know, I'm Atlantean, like, you're not going to kill my people, she goes, I don't agree with the kingdom and, and, and the monarchy, but these are still my people, so then Ursel and, and Killer Croc into this big fight, and you talked about uh, uh, how strong Atlanteans were, She's killing, she's kicking Killer Croc's ass. Yeah. Uh, Which is really cool. So there's back and forth. And then Harley Quinn starts fighting with Lord Satanus, which is like, in my eyes, a mismatch. But it it was interesting. So basically, then they're all having this infighting here. The the whole Suicide Squad, they're just fighting each other. They're they're quabbling. And and they're supposed to, like, get a nuclear uh, bomb uh, implanted there. So then you go back to the security tower, and this is where Merck says, What's good? what is this? It's the Suicide Squad. So Aquaman goes down there, and Aquaman brings a crew of his own. He's got Dolphin, he has uh, Jirak Vice, and, and he has Undyne with him. So they go down there, and they just straight out start fighting the Suicide Squad. Uh, you get some nice fight scenes between Aquaman and Lord Satanus. Uh, Jirak and Killer Croc uh, are going back and forth. Um, you see stuff between Master Jailer and Undyne. Uh, you have some pretty cool stuff with uh, Harley Quinn and Dolphin, and Dolphin actually uh, bright like does this like bright like. Uh, it's hard to explain. She basically like this flash of light, and she blinds Harley Quinn, and Harley Quinn can't see anything. So then they capture. They actually are able to capture Harley Quinn, and they capture Deadshot. Everybody else uh, got away, but they're still in, a, you know, still underwater. And then Mira's like, you know, you know, you were here the whole time. You didn't come to my coordination. What are you doing here? 
He's like, listen, I'm just protecting you. She goes, we're supposed to love each other. You're supposed to be my king. Because basically Aquaman is letting her do her thing, and he's, he's kind of keeping away. But he's still there protecting Atlantis. It's kind of weird. Um, so then you get the rest of the uh, rest of the Suicide Squad, and they're all still like wobble, you know, squabbling. And then, you know, Ursula's saying we shouldn't blow this up. And then Satanis says, "Get her, Croc." And Croc just uh, grabs a hold of Ursula. So now it looks like Master Jailer, Lord Satanis, and Killer Croc are just they're gonna they're gonna plant this nuclear bomb. They don't want to get the bombs blown in their head. And they're they're definitely the more evil members of the Suicide Squad uh, in this run here. So. They got a hold of Ursel, and there's more activity. They're back in the security tower, Aquaman and uh, Mira, and they see that, and they see the, and they see the nuclear bomb actually in the hands of Lord Satanus. And here comes Aquaman, and it says, "Continued to be in Suicide Squad number 46." So this was a fun, lighthearted book. Another different side of Aquaman. I think one of the coolest things about today in this episode is we've been reading and I, I think we and I'm man, we haven't heard your story yet, but it's almost six different perspectives of Aquaman. It's, yeah. It, you know what my second book sounds similar to that one you this one you're just reading now. It sounds relatively similar. Um but yeah, the, I think there is de- definitely different different versions of it. I, I'm really, I, I've enjoyed every one of your takes so far. Everybody's. It's yeah. six completely different writers for us as well. Yeah, I mean, like, six this different this runs. One right here, oh, yeah, this one right here, this is a guy that he's proud to be Atlantean, he's sure to protect Atlantis, but he doesn't want to overshadow Mira. He wants her to be the, the representation, her being the public guy, which is interesting. You yeah. know, uh, you don't see that in a lot. So, um, I'll, I'll get into grading it, you know, just real quick. I, I picked this, I picked this book up at Iron Buffalo, really cool new shop. You got to check it out. The guy is one of the nicest people ever. Um, and I also, and I picked up my other book at Empire Comics. So two great shops. You, you have to check them out. Um, but yeah, so th- this book here, uh, like I said, I saw the suicide squad. I was like, yeah, you know what? You know me, it's Gullo. Let's get something wacky. <laughs> um, and it was wacky, but it kind of told a fun story, too. Um, as far as, we'll start with the artwork. Uh, yep. Definitely, like, cartoonish, in-your-face, like, very modern, uh, very fun. Um, I'll give it a nine. All right. As far as action, um, pretty cool. Like, there's, there, there's a really sweet fight when, the, when Aquaman and the Atlanteans are fighting the Suicide Squad. And that's that's a really sweet fight. Plus, you have the Killer Cracker cell fight. Uh, the whole book is in a fight, but the majority of it is. So I'll give it a ten. Very good. Um, as far as storytelling, this is in, dead in the middle of a run, but I got what was going on a hundred percent, which is rare when you pick up a number thirty-nine. And I also didn't read the Suicide Squad number forty-five. I'll give it a ten for that. Cool. Very good. Rock and um, roll. Dialogue. Yeah. Much easier. To, much easier to read than the 06 book. Uh, but it was also kind of done in that Suicide Squad in your face, like ah, like context. But uh, really easy read. Um, very fun. Uh, I'll give that a ten. Oof. I know. By the way, it made me really like Lord Satanus. 
<laughs> and the dialogue won him over for me. Now, now I'm like I said, my DC knowledge is a little raw. Is that a Doctor Fate villain, Greg? Shazam. Shazam. Okay, I knew it had to be. I, I was thinking Fate because he looked like Fate. I think he's he's had some run-ins with Fate as well. He might he might just kind of deal he's with both. He's a sorcerer, so. Yeah, he definitely Absolutely. lands in both. I know Blaze and Satanus are a thing. Um, so, yeah, he might be Dr. Fate as well. I, I know him more from Shazam, and I also, what I was looking up when you were talking about him, um, was more Shazam as well. So I think he might be both. Is he in Constantine books too? I don't actually know. I haven't read a lot of Hellblazer. Hmm. Um, and then... Uh... And Master Jailer, too. Didn't know much about him. I've heard the name. I think he's been a one-off on a cartoon, but... I, that one I don't know very well. Uh, didn't know much about him. Um, but it was cool. It was giving me new characters that I didn't know were in the Suicide Squad. And like I said, Lord Satanus, I really would like to discover him more as a villain. Um, and he's just re-rehability? Go ahead. He's a Superman, Supergirl villain. Jailer is. Oh, okay. Uh, interesting. <laughs> Um, and as far as rereadability, uh, really cool. Um, oh, you know what? I forgot to, well, I'll give the score for rereadability. Very fun book. I'd pick it up again. Uh, I'll give it a nine, not a perfect book. So, uh, you know, uh, almost there though. Um, but real quick, another cool line was, so my first book was about King shark helping Aquaman out Right. in this book. He mentions Demira. Well, listen, if you don't want. Why don't we, instead, if you don't want us to get involved, why don't we, they're in King Shark's territory, why don't we call him? And she goes, I'm not going to let criminals dispose of the U.S. government. So mm-hmm. he wanted King Shark to help them out in that situation. Interesting. I like that. So I'll give you two, two quick things. One, there's totally a possibility that um, Master Jailer might show up in Supergirl because he's tied with Manchester Black. Oh, okay. Yeah. And two, Lord Satanus is actually the son of the wizard Shazam. Oh. So, so there you go. So he's, at, he's been in Zatanna. He's been with Superman, uh, Spectre, very briefly. So all sorts of stuff. So definitely more of the mystic side of the world. Dr. Fate. So there you go. Oh, very, very cool. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, so now it's definitely, uh, you know, this book opened my horizons to characters I didn't know. And I didn't expect it to be some just like in your face Suicide Squad book with the Aquaman. But a, another fun take on Aquaman. So I don't know what the score is. It's pretty high, right, Matt? Yeah, 48 out of 50 for this one. Yeah, oh, dude. I, didn't expect so, it. I didn't think I was going to rate it that high. No, but I then don't. I really break it down. That happens sometimes. I would be able to explain that book very easy, too. If I can explain a book easy, this is going to get a high score. Yeah. 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 I mean, seemingly, our, like, our special episode reviews always seem to do really, really well. Um, because usually it's a pretty mainstream comic book character um, or group. And, yeah, we typically find really good stories for them. Whereas our you know regular weeks, we're usually picking up some, some we're picking up something different that, you know, we would never try typically and those those scores are pretty much average or sub you know subpar but um yeah with these special episodes we was we always seem to find the best um of some of these very popular characters um all right so the last book that we're going to review today is uh it's kind of funny because uh 
my book earlier was an issue number six, and this is an issue number six as well. Uh, this is DC Universe Rebirth Aquaman from November 2016, so still relatively modern. Um, the The cover automatically drew me in. Um, and while we're saying where we got our books from, um, I got these both these books from House of Fantasy uh, on Pine Avenue in Niagara Falls uh, in their discounted section. Uh, the guy there, he actually, I just learned today that he lives above the comic book shop. He owned, or not today, but when we went there, um, he lives above the comic book shop and he owns the whole building. Like Same thing with Haley's Comics. It's oh, does it really? really? It's his downstairs that he turned into a comic book shop. That's crazy. That's crazy. I, I think I think it's kind of cool though too. Like, yeah. oh, I can't sleep. Why don't I just go downstairs and read some comic books? Yeah, right. You know what I mean? You're like right there in your, your place of employment. I think real quick, my old comic. I didn't say I got from Queen City Comics. I don't remember. I you grabbed didn't it, say that. No, you. Yeah. I grabbed that at a con. So I actually have never been to the Queen City Comics building, but I think I have a stack of like thirty comics I got from Queen, and eh, maybe less from Queen City uh, at Comic Con this year. I haven't been to Queen the Queen City building in years. It's been a very long time. Very long time. Um, So, um, yes, Aquaman number six, um, DC Universe Rebirth. So what we have here is um, it starts off with Superman flying in to Aquaman. Um, Aquaman's on land, and it looks like there was a big battle that just ensued with Aquaman and uh, several members of the military. And uh, uh, some dialogue and, and whatnot. Aquaman saying that uh, you know the 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 president of the United States listed him as as a international terrorist, an enemy of the state, and uh, Superman was called in by the president allegedly to come in and uh, Jesus, uh, I'm getting blown up to come in and help uh, the situation. Uh, alleviate, you know, try to calm down Aquaman a little bit. Um, Aquaman likes to argue with, has been arguing with Superman about being the odd man out. He feels like a kind of like a third wheel when it comes to being along with, with the Justice League, and it's his biggest gripe with Superman. Um, so he tries to leave. Aquaman tries to leave, and uh, Superman tells him, "No, you can't leave." And uh, so he goes, oh, really? I can't leave? I'm a king. Punches Superman. <laughs> knocks him way way back. That's my favorite Aquaman is when he's like, when he's like royal and tough. Uh, I love it. Yeah. Oh, I do too. I do too. Um, it's really cool. Um, so they get into a big battle and everyone at this White House situation room, like the president included, are watching this battle uh, between the two and they're going for blows and it's like I said, this was another really nice take on uh, on Aquaman. Um, seeing him go toe to toe with Superman, like almost unheard of to, to me previously. Um, but this is really cool to see. And Superman's, you know, got an uppercut on him and hits an uppercut on him. He goes, you know, you, you, perhaps you need my help. You got to calm down. And Mara, his wife, comes in. And uh, she takes a shot at Superman, sends him flying back, and they are both beating the crap out of Superman. Um, beat him real bad. I Wow. Getting blown up. Um, 
it's kind of it's kind of fun and interesting to watch. And there's one part where um, Superman has him on the edge, and Aquaman he's like flying in, like he's got Aquaman backed up on a tree, and he's flying in, and Aquaman like kicks him uh, real hard, and that's it. That's like the fight. It's a wrap. Like he gets on top of him and starts punching him, and then the president. There's a clip of the president going, "Oh my god." Um, <laughs> Because now he's mad, and uh, what's really cool is Aquaman has drawn in some sea monsters. They are coming up from out of the water, and one the ships actually are kind of cool looking. They look like Black Manta's vessels, and there's like a flying shark and, and stuff like that. It's like that's kind of dope, it, isn't it? Like it's really cool. Art was like sea monsters that are all like strapped and got that saddles like on a them. Sea Rex. <laughs> yeah, this thing, this like. I don't know what the like a roach thing. I don't know what it is. It's a roach dog, giant bug thing. He has a tank on it. His tanks <laughs> on its back, like that's their military thing. And um, you know, just like, I don't know what happened before this book, but whatever happened really pissed off Aquaman, um, which I found very interesting. But um, it pretty much, you know, at that part of the book ended with Superman saying, "Fix this or else." Um, and then we see a scene out in Antarctica where uh, Black Manta, I don't know who this guy is. It looks like, actually, I don't even know who it looks like. Do you do you have any idea who this gentleman is? Nope, not off the top of my head. Not off the top of your head. Um, but he's taunting Black Manta. Um, he's got a cool sword. But, um, yeah, they never say his name. It must have been named in a previous book. But, uh, yeah, he was taunting Black Manta the whole time. And while he was doing it, uh, Black Manta steps up and cuts his throat. Very incredibly graphic uh, scene. And then he goes to sit on his throne. So he's in charge. Um, The king is maybe Blackjack. Maybe that's his name. Um, Maybe. But, uh. Black Manta goes and sits on this guy's chair, uh, who was the ruler of some kind of Antarctica base, and uh, and yeah, he said, sit on the throne, and says, "Long live the king." Any questions? Uh, which is kind of a cool end of the book. And um, well, actually, no, there's one more little page I forgot. Um, and then there's swimming Aquaman and Mera sw- swimming back with the fleet of vessels, and Mera goes, "Were you just threatened by Superman?" And Aquaman goes, "Yes." And uh, Mira goes, was he serious? Aquaman goes, absolutely. Then Mira goes, what does that mean? And then Aquaman replies, it means I really have to fix this. Um, Whatever that may be. So um, this was a, this is a very cool take. And um, yeah, let's get into the review of it. The artwork was modern, modern yet really cool. Very realistic. Um, I appreciated it. I appreciated it very much. Um, like I said, I'm more of the nineties, more 80, you know, eighties, nineties stuff, especially, but this was actually really cool. Um, and I, I can appreciate this. I'm going to give the art a nine, um, action. The Superman fight was cool. And like I said, while reading it, it was nice to see Aquaman go toe to toe with Superman, hold his own and even, you know, beat him not into unconscious, but into, okay, let's figure this out. Let's chill out. So the action, I'm going to give an eight. Story. Uh, I'm not sure what happened before this, but like I said, it must have really set off Aquaman. And it was interesting to see 
why things were happening the way they were, you know, why the president sent Superman to deal with Aquaman, why Aquaman had a giant army of sea creatures with tanks and stuff on them. And I'm also curious as to what the Black Manta little side story was, um, where he cut that gentleman's throat and sat on his throne. So uh, the story I'm going to give a nine. Uh, Dialogue. Dialogue. um, I actually, I think the most impressive dialogue here was Aquaman's and how he felt like a, you know, the third wheel or essentially seventh wheel of the the Justice League and how everyone kind of had a pair off and he was just kind of the loner. Um, And he said that a lot and Superman kept telling him, no, 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 that's not how it is. But that's how Aquaman felt. Uh, The dialogue was absolutely fantastic. I'm going to give that a nine. Rereadability. Would I pick this book up again? Uh, Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I actually want to read the rest of the series, at least the precursor to it and whatever happened after. Um, This was a very, very interesting Aquaman book. I appreciated it. And uh, it gave me it gave me new insight new appre- I get appreciation is the word for the Aquaman character I'm going to give the rereadability a 8 so let me do this score tally here 17 26 35 43 43 getting good on this math stuff 43 out of 50 for Aquaman number 6 of DC Universe Rebirth so fantastic boys fantastic another episode down um, next week we are doing Christmas. We're doing a Christmas themed one, uh, which is really cool. Yeah. I'm very excited for that one. We're going to have some fun Christmas books from, uh, I know I'm doing one from a local Buffalo artist. Uh, so it'll be at the independent level. Um, but there's going to be a bunch of, and I'm sure the guys have found some various stuff, uh, to do. Yes. Um, I have. I'm excited. when is our, when is our contest for the Aquaman giveaway? ending so i will um after this episode airs that night i'm gonna pick the names out of a hat okay so it'll be totally random um people won't know this but so if you're listening to this on monday watch for a live video at night i will pick it out of a random hat um and announce the winner yeah pretty much um yeah, if you hear this early in the mor- you know, early in the morning, share it. As soon as you like, you know, like the page, like the post, share it. You're entered in the contest. It's that simple. And you win a really cool Aquaman uh, Funko Pop yep. and a $25 gift card to uh Regal Cinema. Um at least I know if you're local, that's kind of the go-to place, but I know I think it's diff- a little bit different out in Rochester. I know a couple of my Rochester friends added, but um if yeah, just inform us of really what the movie chain is yeah. essentially, um, wherever you're from, and we will make sure to accommodate you um, so you can afford. You get two tickets. I know movies are expensive, and we just we'd appreciate your you know your support, and we want to give back yeah, um, for all the that. likes and everything. So yeah, share it. Tell your friends they can win. There's people who, uh, if you've liked the post, like the page. Yeah. Guess what? We're going to do more like this, more movies. When more movies come out, more shows, we're going to do more stuff. Um, some more cool giveaways. So like the page so you don't have to wait for me to post and, you know, bump my post up to see it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, find the Yeah, it, it's uh, it, it's very beneficial for us uh, if you like the page. because We do a lot of stuff. We're adding content 
Um, I'm taking more, I'm adding more photography um, aspects to it. And actually uh, this past weekend, by the time this episode airs, I will be starting a, a toy toy showcase um, where I, I find Marvel, just comic book themed uh, action figures, whether it's a Funko Pop, whether it's a classic uh, action figure. I still have a bunch in package. I'm going to show them off um, and tell you what, you know, the line and stuff. And, you know, it, it's it's a huge part of comic book culture yep. um, is the action figures. I think we all grew up with toys for the most part. Um, it'd be cool to show it off. There's going to be, hopefully, hopefully, I got a new phone, uh, and the video quality is a lot better, so hoping to do some pre-recorded um, videos, Sweet. so watch for that, because it'll hopefully up the up the quality a little bit, and just give you guys some more visuals on some of the stuff we're talking about. Hello? Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm here, and I, I, after the new year, I will be much more involved, uh, <laughs> It has been a crazy end of this year. So, oh, trust me, we know, we know. Yeah, just he's trapped in a computer right now and he can't get out. So, <laughs> it's like Tron. <laughs> but I'm really excited about the Christmas episode. Oh, me too. Me too. Me too. Especially for time. one of my books I'm reading. Oh, I'm so excited. I, I'm a, I'm looking forward to this indie book that was sent to me. Um, to read it's like a different take on christmas it's very interesting i like the art style it's very different it was it was it's cool that it's made by a buffalo artist too which um, i can appreciate so um very good is there anything you guys want to uh say to close the show um no just you know uh, aquaman's coming out and it's you know and also the spider-man uh entered the spider-verse animated movies out That's now right. so yeah. lots of cool stuff to end the year with uh Superhero shows are going to be on hiatus for a while. So go, go out and visit the movies or, you know, binge an old series. Except, though, Titans is still releasing new episodes. And I believe Runaways is actually coming back end of December. Yep. Just binging uh, just all the episodes will be on there. So cool. they're not so, doing weekly anymore. They're just going to literally put the whole season on. Oh, wow. Good to know. Yes. Uh, that'll take up a whole day for me. <laughs> So, yeah, lots of fun stuff to do um, if you are a comic book fan. Um, lots of stuff to read, lots of stuff to visualize um, and whatnot. Just we live in such a great uh, time period, that's for sure. Um, so without further ado, guys, I think this is the best opportunity to close the show. On behalf of Chris, Greg, and myself, thank you for listening, as always, to the panel discussion. And we will talk to you next week for our Christmas special.